Stuff that when I lived here, I didn't get a chance to do because I was doing so much mainstream stuff. Wow. And like, I'm a hip hop head, like my heart, even though I worked in a mainstream uh, platform, people mistaken me, but I'm like, man, I'm two years out of radio. I'm fucking slapping <laughs> in the face if you say something. Like, before I was protecting license, my only license is what matters. I, I protect that very well, so I'm kind of excited that I'm seeing open mic stand up comedies, like all different all of events, like things that in my career I didn't get to have. And I, it's it's a bravery thing at the end of the day. Like it's it's a lot to stand in front of people. Like oh yeah, like I just did it myself, and I'm like sometimes no. you don't know what you're gonna say. Yeah. You have your set. But you don't know how the crowd's gonna take it, yeah. or if you're just gonna like, like you're a celebrity here in El Paso. So it's like you're performing in front of a celebrity, and it's like, well, am I gonna mess up my set? Am I gonna be offensive? <laughs> or are you gonna like what I do? You just gotta go up there and do it. Well, the way that I always looked at it. If you look at my career, my career is behind a microphone and four walls, and luckily I never had to for the majority of my career had to see except the people that was in the studio with me. But when it came to concerts, and then I ended up being a concert promoter while I was on the radio, and I had to go on stage after that. So the secret is, I never said it, so I'm just telling you for the first time. People that know me know this story. So everybody that knows me knows that I have undeniable stage fright. Like, my no stage way. fright, yeah, it's bad. Like, as a DJ, as a performer, as anything. So, when I was working at Bow 2, I have my anxiety, but I never, but I lived with it. So you can sit up there and be like, and use that as an excuse. But a lot of people they know that they thought I was just outgoing guy, and I never been outgoing. I, 
I don't want to call myself an introvert. I'm not an introvert because I love people. Right. But I don't like a lot of people. Right. And I was thrown on the biggest stage in El Paso's history. I was a power jam Right before 9 11. And it was at uh, the Sun Bowl. I just moved back to El Paso and the Sun Bowl. We did a show there. Uh, John Condelario, which is our PD, he was like, We're gonna, and we did Ja Rule, Shanti, and all this. This was right when Ja Rule and the Shanti became mega score. We had B2K, blah, blah, blah. Dottie White Angels, and we, we had everything for everybody, and everybody saw a full sumbo. I didn't know talking for a crowd. Well, I wasn't expected to. My job was something else. Just to play music? My, no, my job wasn't even that. I was a driver that year. No way! <laughs> so, like, so I was around the artists, but yeah, I was driving. <laughs> None of the on-air personalities, they get out there, they're like, yo, I remember the opportunity of what made who have was this opportunity. John Condelaria said, who, I need you to get on stage, man. These motherfuckers are like, no. No way. I said, I, and I jumped on stage, because I, I used to rap before. I was a rapper in a producer back in the 90s. Type All so here I, in El Paso? So I jumped on stage, and then people, and then my voice, I hate it. I hate my voice. That hint of raspiness? It's because I smoke cigarettes. You know what I mean? And I had this accent that I can't get rid of, and I had all this stuff. And I'm not from New York. People were like, are you from New York? And I'm like, no, I'm a DMV dude. But if you're from the north of the Mason Dixon, yeah, everybody has that. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't know I had one. I never knew I had one. Even my wife was like, where you get this accent where you're living in El Paso? And I'm like, well, I never gravitated to change. I should talk like a Texan or I should talk like Hispanic. I should be either one. Do you even speak Spanish though since you've been in the house this long? See, so it doesn't matter. I don't speak. It doesn't matter. But I wish I could. Oh no, I understand it. I understand oh, yeah. like the I understand the derogatory shit Ooh, that yeah, yeah. The bad words right. always stand out. Yeah, you, you say some shit. That's I went to Bella High School, so I got that. Right here in El Paso. I, I, I get El Paso. Like I, I, I grew up here, uh Moved away, came back. That's when I started doing radio. Well, I did radio. DJ Mark X was going to put me on. Okay. So when I got me put on. Yeah. So it's basically for you, your career started off just being at the right place at the right time? No. Chance and opportunity? Oh, no, it was no opportunity. Nah, well. You went from driving to. Yeah, okay, so let's finish that story. Okay. <laughs> I fucking destroyed that shit. To come back to going back to the same thing. And they still. They still didn't give me my own show. It went for somebody else. So they ended up going with Chris Chavez. Rest in peace. Uh, they went with Chris Chavez. And I still did the same thing until 2000. I started traveling. I was the make show. I did the make show. That was another one. Make show. Person in the Southwest. I had numbers that nobody else ever had on the weekend. 
so I was good with that. And I got to travel on people in Indiana's fucking It wasn't until he got quiet and then he goes across the street at 104 and then they were like, and they looked at me. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man, being black. It, but it's it is, but it isn't. And I understand culture. So culture to me is that I went to Bella High School and Bella, every called High Center Heights. High Center Heights was nothing but black people and Hispanics okay. and one white family. That was it. And we were black the whole time. We were just black ass people. We see some trolls. We had to fight with them and keep them moving, but we didn't aim each other. And so we leave that. I don't know how it is now, but that's what it was. And, um, being black, I never be being black. Because you can succeed. That's, you know, the radio station told me, yeah, you know, you have to have a Hispanic name and all that for the people here to understand you. And I was like, no, fuck, I know. Who was the name that was given to me by a friend in high school because my name is your say and it's a West African name and people here, they just didn't pronounce it right. And I'd just rather you call me something else than fuck up my name. Exactly. That's all I did. So everybody, I ended up going to Hanks right down the street. And it was like white people and all this shit I ain't never really seen. And I was like, man, I'm just gonna go by it. And I was good with it. But I told Patty Beans and them, I said, I'm, you're not gonna call me fucking none of that shit. You're gonna call me Pooh when one. I said, I'm gonna use Cabinet, and that's it. And everybody's gonna know who I am, and I'm gonna be dope. And everybody doubted me. They doubted it. But, and then you just climbed the charts? No, I didn't oh. climb shit. This is what happened. Well, in radio, radio is a diary. Well, back in the day when I first started, it's a diary-based business. So the way they get advertisement is on ratings, just like TV. But TV gets ratings like every two to three days. With radio, it takes three months. So you have to do like a job, like for instance, um, January, February, March is your winter day. And you have to kill it without knowing where you stand. Then you still gotta wait another month to get the diary back, which is all the ratings and, and know, the demo. Well, there was a, a radio DJ here back in, back in you mean bloody knuckles from those? Steve Crosby was a legendary radio DJ. Nobody was the greatest guy in the world. I mean, I met him, but I was like, when it comes to this game, I don't care. So, I don't. I'm competitive. Like, I. I'm not cocky, but I will tell you I'm the best. Like, you have to. You have to. Don't. Nobody else is going to do that. The support will come the same way. That's how I looked at it. 
and you lose friends, and you lose shit over your beliefs. And it's all just in radio, though. Yeah, but radio was competitive, and radio was cutthroat. And so, because I was a this is where being black works for me. Being black works for me because I was raised as a black man, and I don't care. So you can't hurt my feelings. My skin is fucking, matter of fact, my skin's dry. But you, it's cold weather. <laughs> yeah, I know. And black people don't do cold. We in the summer. And so I was like, I remember the book came out, and it was, and I had uh, a kid with me. His name was K. Chris, but his real name was right off Ernie. What's up? Ernie was like my little protege. White kid. But he wasn't white. He was Hispanic, but he had blue eyes. You know. He was a kid and talked a lot of shit and us together worked because I was about 28 and then so we worked so and then he did market. They never wanted me and Mark to work together because they said two black people isn't gonna work. So I started with DJ Metro Metronics and that's my and that book, that Dean Guetto and Metro would be Crosby's numbers. We were the only fucking radio team to beat somebody that was legendary. And so I remember sitting in the meeting and they said, everybody gets one and have a fruit. Well, I have four fucking books with the same numbers for a whole year. I become something. I didn't know I was anything. I just thought I was this black dude that was on the radio and nobody cared. So when did you find out you was the it factor? 2004. 2004, uh, we had a new boss, a whole new team, except for, you know, Jimmy Lee Fuentes dipped to Dallas. So slow motion comes, rest in peace again. Slow motion comes in, so it's me. Slow motion, Patty Did you see like what he does for that first fucking was, book? That's like superheroes. The time that I felt that I was somebody oh. is when, when Jim Paul. Jim Paul is this multi-millionaire here that owns a furniture company and all this stuff. No pledge, no pledge that finance is all in power. Okay. They call me <laughs> the office. At the end, why he wants to No, at the end, it almost looks like he lost the end, but before you can do shit, grab them. And I'm sitting there like this. And they value my opinion. So that, 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 that power during that year was Little Wayne. Little Wayne been in El Paso, nobody knows it, but I called him Little Wayne, Ludacris, Mystical. That crowd was phenomenal. It was a great crowd at that cold space, but it was great. But lineup was on some summer jam shit. Like it was just so everywhere, and mystical. Yeah, that concert was concert was crazy. And me and Mark X was the ones that hosted it. They didn't cheer for nobody but me. Stop it! I swear to God. Swear to God, nobody cheered. Everybody that was on the radio, and it was so funny because I hosted that whole show and I thought they looked, they used me to do it. And then everybody wanted to take the accolades on introducing the the uh, main act. They take me and Mark off stage and Patty as and everybody comes yeah. out there. 
Me and Mark were in the grass. And I was sitting there with all the big show DJs. And I said, and I told everyone about Ray Naughty Boy, Eddie Wentz, Wanda Wanda's Rojas, Mark X. I told all of them, thank you. And I never forgot that. And to this day, you can talk to Jason, all these dudes that ever worked at Power. They're gonna, they're gonna say my name, and they're gonna be like, "Nah, who fought for us?" And I, I, I fought for the big show. I didn't care about the mainstream. But when you keep, yeah, and when you keep that type of energy, you keep that energy. You, you, can't, you can't lose, man, because people can be fake all day. I've never been fake a day in my life, and I don't know how. If I don't like you, I'm just going to walk by you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they don't do that here. They got to do extra stuff. They can't just let bygones be bygones. It's like they want to throw jokes away. They want to disrespect. They want to go into Facebook posts and, and say bad stuff. Why? Yes, thank you. But I've actually saw, like I've seen a, a group of black women going out here. I'm married to a black woman. I, I'm like, I, I don't want to be the guy that's saying that I'm pro-black. I'm not pro-black. I'm pro-human. We need that first. And I'm a human. I, I believe in Malcolm X's theory. When he left the Malcolm X nation of Islam, because I was, I was five or seven years So people look at me and they're like, oh, and I'm like, no, man, I'm not the victim. But what I am going to be, yeah, I'm going to be that guy that don't care because I will invoke violence into whatever the hell I'm saying right. if you're not listening. Right, right. And I'm not the Martin Luther King. I actually did a TikTok because the question was, what is something that would piss old black people off? Oh, yeah, that's going around, yeah. I said, Generation Z. There are bigger rebels than anybody in the 60s and uh, 50s. They're not afraid. I'm not saying, I'm not taking nothing away what happened. I understand civil rights, but I also understand that the same black people that champion uh, all those other ones that talk proper, and you took and you shunned the dude that came out of prison that had the same shit to say, but he had a different philosophy. And because everybody else is Baptist off of a fucking slave religion. No, you're good because it's like back in the day it was like it was peace. We got protest peacefully, peacefully, peacefully. And we have them. We've done it all many times. And nothing happens. But now when we start. Joe Biden gave us a motherfucking holiday and we asked for money. We have. Man, fuck that shit. First of all, half the people don't even know what the fuck Juneteenth is. Juneteenth is the last day for slaves in Galveston, Texas. Slavery was already abolished. And they didn't know. Nobody knew and they Nobody didn't. Told Texans them. weren't going to tell them. And it took a ship to come here. So it's, it, to me, it's nothing to fucking celebrate. I'm sorry. And so, so, and then I'll say Joe Biden. Gave us that, but you signed a fucking Asian app. And see, when you go into comedy or radio or stuff like that, you have to use your platform. And it's more than just being 
funny or that is true. That is your, true. Your, your job is to be funny. That is true. Your job is supposed to be funny. Like, what are you usually platforms for? Yeah. And a lot of us are scared to use our platforms because we're worried about the crowds, we're going to lose, and we're going to have fans later. But there's no such thing as cancel culture. I don't believe in it. And I'll, I'll even talk about the. Uh, Situation with Dave Chappelle. I said, you know, the, sad, the saddest part about Dave Chappelle is that he's from Black people. I mean, you know, I grew up my whole. The reason why I got touched in is because, man, you got Oh my God! You get roasted by your family, strangers, your church. Whoever you at, you getting roasted by somebody. Somebody talking shit to you. And it's and then you just gonna have a clap back, or you just gonna sit there and cry. That's it. It's culture, man. I had I have a lot of family in New York, and I used to hate. All right, so I used to, I used to hate to go to the Bronx. My family lived in the Bronx, and I had a lot of family in Brooklyn. So a lot of the, the Jamaican family, the, the people from the South, all live in the Bronx. Yeah. They were the ones that talked a lot of shit. They, they were just, because they were older, you gotta understand I'm second generation, I'm 48 years old. And I am the second youngest of that generation. Yeah, because all of my cousins are like 56, no, they're 60, 70 years old right now. They're old, I'm not old. My mom had me, and my mom's virtually young. She probably turned like 76 or something, and She's young to her sister. She's the only living person left because she has like ten sisters, and they're all dead because they're old. They were old. They were old as fuck. So yeah, they live, and so I grew up a certain way. And even though that I didn't, you know, I I believe black people don't age the same way as everybody else. Yeah, and the only reason I even have fucking five o'clock shadow because I, 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 like I said, I I go through deep depression, but I don't go through the depression. And I have to explain this, and when everybody sees it and they see how I act up, I have to act up to control my depression. So, yeah, because if I bottled it, yeah. I'll be dead, explode or probably do something that you're not supposed to do. And I'd rather just, my career, I talk shit. Same thing as you. All you're doing is talking shit. You made fun of that boy. Just because you try to look around and see what the fuck I can attack real quick so I can just create a narrative. I do the same thing, but I'm just, my wife roasted me on the wedding stand. We were getting, yeah, because uh, we make we wrote our own vows. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, was, we clown. I got no. married in the courthouse. I don't know. I'm just saying, we were in a museum. We believe in religion. I don't believe in religion. So, we're in a, a museum in Montana. We only invited 50 people and 200 showed up, but I don't want yeah. But I'm not a celeb. I ain't got that celeb money to get. You don't have the celeb money, but you got the celeb status. Man, fuck that status. In El Paso, come on. You know I've how never, hard it is to grow up? I've never used it. So, hey, we were sitting there. 
And I never forget. I put on there. I was like, "You will support me, Charlie." I got out. No, I gave out because of what she said. So I said, "Yeah, I will. You will support me in my journey of But her rebuttal was, "I will. I will." You have to stand up for me, man. You know you're not funny at all. And the whole place started laughing. They ain't laughing like that. And when I heard it, and he kept his great face looked at me dead in my eye, never, never went out of character. And I was looking at her, and I said, fucking bitch, like in my head. And I was like, how the fuck did you fucking upstage me on that? And she didn't say nothing the whole time. And that was their one clap back. And that one clap back, I said, well, I might not be funny. I might not really. The stage is where they make a break, so yeah. Yeah, that was a big stage for me. So I was like, damn. And she, like, if she was, like, sitting in the audience, then this and shit like that, I probably wouldn't know how to react because I already understood. I watched a lot of comedians. As a matter of fact, I was just telling Reese. I don't know where he went. I told Reese. I told him. You know, APR Crockett. I met Okay, There was this award show back in 2005, 2006. It was called the Radio Music Awards. It was one of the biggest awards. It was even uh, on NBC. It was a big award. Okay, not really even for an award, but I knew I was going to win because it was Ryan Seacrest. And, uh, Everybody's like, oh. Flags and these people on there. Yeah, but I was on there. And I thought, hey, man, hey. No, 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 I didn't hear, uh-uh, I didn't rep the whole pass, so I didn't rep me. I was like, nah, I was like, because I wasn't even full F yet, I was still full one. Okay. And uh, I, <laughs> I had this energy that because uh, all the people that I met that night, the first night, it was a three-day event in the award show. And so we were there doing interview, radio interviews with all the radio stations uh, in the nation. You know, I got to interview like Ray Smart, Hulk Hogan. I even had pictures and shit like that with all these people. And the thing was that we do all this Cat Williams. Cat Williams was a cat Williams. We did the interview with Cat Williams. So everybody was looking at him like he was a pimp. Because after all of this stuff, you know, I got a ballot. That was me and three other radio DJs. We hung out with Cat. Cat, a brilliant person, like brilliant. Well, at the same time, the, the girl I was with, uh, she was another radio DJ. Her name was Gustavo, and then she was out of Fayetteville. Carolina. Well, her best friend was Avion Crockett, and Avion Crockett was nobody. He was a rapper. Okay. I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I should say this. You already on the line. He was a rapper trying to make it. I did not know that. He moved out to L.A. Remember, these two are best friends, so he hung out. We, we all hung out. And Avion 
I think that Jay, that Jay Z bit he does, he, that's I think he's playing the fame. He was doing it then, and I used to be like, oh, bro, you really had a mannerisms down. It's not the voice, it's the mannerisms. And he did that shit in front of Cat, and Cat was like, oh my god. And so, Cat Williams was like a big ass chain that was a Dipset chain because you know Dipset made him. Came out in there, made one of him. And I'm just walking out. And I'm sitting with him, and him, and then here comes Mike. Mike, I didn't even know who he was. Not that time, no. But he was just a strange dude from Ohio. All of them. And I thought it was amazing when I watched Cat Williams. And I can tell you, each show got better and better and better. I was a big fan of AC. Way before anybody was a fan of him. Like, he was skinny. Back in his half-back days? Before that. And I was a fan way before that. The first time I ever saw him was, was on Def Comedy Jam. That's right. And I was barely 18. Dave Chappelle didn't be not that far in age. But what made Dave Chappelle funny is that he could give you punchline in the very beginning, build a story to the narrative that he's talking about. With a straight right over here, he's trying to create that punchline he gave me and reached all the way over here at the end. And so I I really did pay attention to technique and comedy because I was always trying to understand what makes the most what my favorite comedian was Eddie Murphy. So and I was like thirteen years old when I first really like I was there, I went to the movie theater to watch Raw. So when I saw Raw I was like done and then I went back and listened to Delirious and all this other all of his other older work, even though everybody knew him from Saturday Night Live. And I'm surprised that Eddie is going around and I said Eddie like he's my friend. Like, you know, Mr. Murphy. He's going around and he's apologizing. Yeah, but you know and I don't think it was uh, an apology because at that time, that's what was funny. It's because it of the wording that he used that was, you know, and I, I'm saying this as reference, I don't believe in these words, but like a lot of, in Raw, he used the word faggot a lot. But he didn't use, see, with black people, we turn negative in the positive. We use negative. We say nigga like if it's a term. Exactly. And that's why a lot of people don't understand why they used use that word when it was brought up in history. But yeah, we took that word and made it ours. Right. And so a word like faggot, stuff like that. We say things, but it don't hurt us anymore. It didn't, it didn't reflect on gay people. Or you know, people be like, yo, you gay. Yeah, you know, you got to look at the turnaround of the word. But I get it. I understand. The usage of it, and I don't use those words, but I do use the N word because it is culture, and I try to weed it out. Yeah, but I try to weed it out too because it's just, it, it gives, it opens the gate of a whole bunch of white Why can't I use it? Because this shit ain't for you. It wasn't for you. You create, how the fuck do you fucking create a word and then be mad because we took that bitch from you? So, 
I don't even call white people white people. I call white people and I spell it out Y T. So I don't get fucking mad. Yeah, I don't. Oh, and the natives started calling them colonizers. Then when they, oh, you're offended, but you was fine with all this other shit. So, but you're mad because the natives changed the narrative, just like they did the N word, and then they said, "Hey, well, well, well you know, you call us." Because I'm not gonna call. I, you know, I haven't called somebody Indian since I was 13, and the only reason why is because of my culture. And so, when you look at Jamaicans and you look at Geechees and all them. It's the same thing, and you know, it, it, my mom's from Georgia, so that area of natives is still a, a descent of Navajo and stuff like that. So when you look at it, like there was, there's a philosophy right now that black people were here before. <laughs> So, and then I started right. stuff up and I see a lot of that uh, The whole theory of my, the whole uh, Jack Sparrow and all that, they're black. Because the pirates were black. I looked at pictures. Black dudes, reds, look crazy, gold teeth. My teeth are permanent, so it's like I don't feel bad about what I have. It's just like the Crown Act. The Crown Act, your hair right now, five years ago, you couldn't wear it like that. Now you can because you have to write a rule about that. It is hair, something simple hair. No, but black women is different. Black, black women create. Like, white women want to ask, why can't I wear cornrows? It's not for you. It wasn't ever for anybody. That was a map to get motherfuckers out of fucking South and get them up north in Canada. And it was a map. That's why when you look at cornrows designs, it was, it was a fucking map. Black people were smart. But now we're telling them on TikTok, hey, you want to wear a sis We're not going to call you sis. Don't call me sis. And, and I don't, I don't call, I can't call them sis. And the reason why is out of respect because a, a black woman to me is is my mother, and so I have to treat her like that. You know what I'm saying? I gotta treat black women differently. Some people don't particularly like it. The first thing they say color line and all that. And I'm like, we didn't create that. We understand, you know, when Malcolm X talked after he came back from the pilgrimage of Mecca, we didn't fight for black women, we fought for human. And that's what I began to I need to fight for human rights. I don't need to fight for my right or black. Human rights is basic. It's a basic thing that everybody should have. And so when I don't be my friend on Facebook and stuff because I might be a very offensive person towards everybody and it's because I believe I don't do radio no more, nor I never want to go back. So now that you're not what are you doing? I have a podcast. I have a blue show. I have, I have a blue show. It's about 101,000. No, 101,000 subscribers. That's nothing. I'm trying to get to a million. 
But it's an extension of what I did, but I wanted my own cast, so I had my character, and I had my wife. My wife, for 10 years of radio, helped me and mostly I still use, like, I use AD because that's me. Uh, What's to reach a broader demographic? If my wife was a professional, she would be like a fucking person. So, I learned. This is why I said the important one. Black women is they kind of bond people like to be I was the only one doing it. And that comes from love. Because there's no love, you don't know, let you go on. Oh no, when I watched you on stage, the thing the thing that was interesting was posture. So yeah, the posture was straight. Like you didn't have even on your head you might have had all kinds of doubts going on, you didn't show So that's what made it funny. I was like, oh, she's talking shit. There's a lot of people in here, she's talking shit. Yeah. Give a fuck. And the bad part is I didn't want to attack her. She don't want to attack me that. Like, how you see me talking about this my son? He would have asked all this one. I got the mic. Next week, like, you got to, you know, next week I got you. You're a genius like Jerry Barnes and all like Jerry is my friend. And, and when, I, when he came in on But I had him on my partner. And it was a it was a high rated show because we bumped heads naturally. And yeah. it, it worked. And I it was funny that Mark and my wife were just sitting there like what the fuck is going on with these two? We were just going at it. I would love to have you on when we started the season. We just we just wrapped up our third season. But yeah, man, any 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 help you need to do, I, I can do that. I can do that. Because yeah. I, um, I don't know if you know, but I produce a lot of shows. So I'm trying to get away from the open mics. Because open mics, you only do so many open mics without level of And with me now, I'm touring. I'm going out on major cities and putting my comedy out there. And I have a lot to learn. Like, I've only been doing it five years, going on six years. So I'm still learning the ropes of comedy. What you can say, what you can't say. Um, but the most important thing is I'm having fun. That's I'm good. a lot of fun. That's good, that's and that's all that matters. Yeah. That's that's. As soon as you lose your identity, man, it's done. It's done. It's done. I don't do drugs. Like I drink. That's no, no, no. I drink. I, I used to smoke a lot of weed, and I got sick, and I can't. You know, so I do edibles. I I barely started drinking for two years, and, and it was because of health issues. And, uh, really? Alright. Yeah. It's funny to me because everybody around me drug addicts, except for Mark. Me and Mark always stayed. We were always focused. We were always focused on a, on a, on a bigger prize. We were never looking at right now. But that's probably why what you're telling me. I'm like, I wasn't a celeb. 
I was just a voice for people. And then that was voice. So I was the only one that followed him to the world doing the movie. Northeast, like by uh, Devil's Triangle, and they're like, "Well, they're gonna want to do a remote," and everybody's like, "No." You scared to go over there? Yeah, and I'm like, "What the fuck y'all doing?" It's I'll go to the remote and be cool. That's why I was number one. I wasn't number one because I fucking catered to the West Side. Well, because you went to the heart of the people, you met the people where they reside. The ones that listen, that called in and was like. I would bring in, I would bring in schools like Jefferson, Bowie, Austin, Castle High, uh, Irvin, Andrews. I would bring those schools that nobody would have brought in any other time because it wasn't the, 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 the white fashion Mexicans or the, you know, it wasn't them. The dark-skinned Mexicans, the dark-skinned Hispanics, the dark-skinned Puerto Ricans or whatever, and then it was black people. And I, I put that on the radio. Unapologetic. I never explained some a uh, newspaper interview and I shit it on the El Paso Times so bad. On the radio I did because they interviewed me and twisted my words because they wanted me to be apologetic about or explain why I did what I did. And I said, no, I never explained it. Good one to explain it. If you understand it, then that's what it is. I give a fuck about y'all. And I he went was on the being radio. authentic. Yo, but I went on the radio and said, El Paso Times, all they do is write articles and can't spell. Oh. Learn how to spell first. You <laughs> can't even spell they my fucking real name, man. Or Fucking idiots. Well, luckily none of them were there no more. But, it's all good. It's all good. But no, nah, the people, and it was this black girl with a big ass afro, and she didn't like black people, man. And I told her, I was like, why don't you like black people? And she was like, and she was like, well, you know, you come off as a, a ghetto person. I said, define ghetto. Define ghetto. And she was like, you know, Project Living. I'm like, God, I'm not a project. I'm from Project that's a good fuck you mean I'm sitting in the platform that you don't even have that you're trying to write. Because you have to interview me. That wasn't all in the interview. That wasn't in on Prince. Because I said, you're interviewing me. I'm not interviewing you. I don't even know who the fuck you are. That's what I told I don't even know who you are. But I see a black woman. I say, yeah, I'll do the interview. But if you're going to be like that, I said, but if you want to talk to me like that, I was like, this is what I have to say, and I said what I said, and it just went resonating, and I was it. And I sat up there and I said, "Okay, the interview's done." And she was in the studio. I was like, "You have a good day." And I went back to my show, and I said, "You're just not gonna disrespect, me. even though you might think because that radio shit gets you. Like I have to protect the license, so I can't say what I want to say." Exactly. You can't catch me in the street. No, you should never be caught off guard. No, you don't you want to catch catch me in the street. No, I ask you. I ask you. I'll be like, yo, yeah. what the fuck was the problem that you said? No, I did ask her that. She was like, you know, they wanted me. She ended up explaining herself. Uh, and then I said, yeah, see? And I said, you needed a job. I have a job. Yeah. They, they, needed, they need me to do my job. So I'm not going to explain because I'm ghetto and I talk a certain way, that I gotta be, 
not going to do. I don't. Like you said in the beginning, you're not going to be fake. You should always be authentic to the person that you want. Well, you can't cartwheel from nobody, man. But that cartwheel shit, man, not everybody's built for that. No. Oh, well, yeah, you put up that fake wall, it's going to come down eventually. Yeah, man, fuck that. But I this is to. my interview like, with who has the El Paso. Well, I'm still going to call him El Paso legend. That's what he's known here. Uh, Power 102, the biggest radio station here. But I was from 104, too. Power 104. And Power 104 got, like, DJ Javi now. Cause I did. That's my friend. Don't try to say nothing crazy. All I was going to say was y'all just had a DJ battle over at Funk Myers a few months ago. I hosted that. Yes, he did. I was there. Okay. I was watching. <laughs> all right. I was there. See? Uh, that's all I was going to do. Was I was going to say they had a DJ battle, which they're trying to do another. Another DJ battles. This is the fifth one. The fifth one? Yes. Well, We've been know. doing this shit for a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay, my bad. I'll make sure, even my if bad. I'm not here, I'll make sure you come around. Thank you. That. Let me know. Because I just hooked up with Lady Dubois. And, uh, That's, I mentored her. Yeah, okay, okay. See, I'm a small girl. So I just met her and she DJ one of my shows for me. Nice. Yeah, so. Yeah. Like, I just was like, on her show, or her TV uh, show uh, last week. Yes, with the, uh, the Howard family. Yeah, yeah. I just did that. I just watched it too. Yeah, so we all working together. We all working together. I want to thank you so much for coming out and talking with me and meeting me. We're Facebook friends already, so he's going to help support me, mentor me, hopefully. Um, put me on a good platform. And remember, if you didn't get anything out of this interview, authentic. Be true to yourself. That's what we do here. Got to. Yes. So I'll see y'all later. It's been nighttime shenanigans. It's time, time for me to go two. get drunk. I know, right? I'm right behind her. <laughs> y'all be easy. Love y'all. That was fun. Thank you. Now if I can just stop it. So, I know. There we go. Uh, so, all you have to do is just.